God's fault. Because that's not God's fault. That's just messed up. Amen. Hold your Bible up. Let's make a confession. Get in the Word. You need God's Word. Amen. Lift it up. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I am what it says I am. Say, I have what it says I have. Say, I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Say, I refuse to be the same in Jesus' name. Come on, give him one more praise tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, it's important that we understand, you know, that's not just something that, that, that we say, you know, so they know where to push record. We're going to start recording the message right there, okay? No, I am what that word says I am. And a lot of us don't have a clue who we are because we don't know what it says, right? You know, 1 John four seventeen says, even as he is, so are we in this world. And you want to know about you, you need to learn about God because you came right out of God. You're made in his image and his likeness, and you are a spirit. You, you, you uh, possess a soul. You live in a body. But because you are in Christ, and now if any man be in Christ, he's new. That old nature has passed away, and behold, the new nature has come. You're a new, new species altogether now. And you need to learn how to live the new life, lest you be new but living the old life style. I'm not talking about rules and regulations and jumping through hoops. I'm, I'm talking about having a new nature and, and, and a huge advantage in life that we have because we are in Christ. Hello? I am who, who he says I am. I have what God says I have. You know, uh, 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 because of the blood of Jesus, I have uh, right standing with God. Right? Because, because the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life, I have been declared righteous. I have the righteousness of God in Christ. You know what that means? I'm just as righteous as God is. I'm not sort of righteous or part-time righteous. No, I'm 100% righteous. I'm justified. I'm, it's just as if I never disobeyed. And I know what you're thinking. I saw you do it. Yeah, but... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if he ain't holding my past sin against me, I don't know why you would join with the accuser of the brethren rather than join with God. If God be for us, well, you better not be against us. Because, that, you know, think about it. If God is for them, you, you know, some of you guys need to lighten up on other people. Because if God be for them, you don't want to agree with the accuser of the brethren. You want to agree with God. And if God's for them, well, bless God, you better be for them too then. But because of that blood, you know, I'm justified. I have what this Bible says I have. I choose to do what it says I can do. Well, I can't do that. You need to choose to do what God's word says you can do. And, you know, his word's fairly specific on what you can do. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who's infusing me with an inner strength. I got this handled because of Christ. And the fact that I am in Christ, I have, decide, I have made a decision. I have decided 
The word decision comes from the same root word as incision. It means to cut away. When you're making a decision, you're not just selecting one thing. You're cutting away all those other things. You know, when, 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 when you got married, you made a decision. And you might think you selected a mate, but what you did is you cut away all them other potential mates. And they ain't no longer in the picture. You need to take a picture of your family and put it on the mantle of your heart. And then every time a new relationship comes, make sure you look at the picture because some of them relationships you're messing with are not in the picture. And you need to remind yourself that ain't in the picture. I chose not to go that way because I went this way. You know, hey, this, you know, you know what's awesome is 30 years ago on Monday, Shelby made the best decision of her life. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're so lucky. You know, we, 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 we walked down an aisle. Yeah, come here for a minute. Come on, hurry up. Do what you're told. Come on. Hey, you want to preach next weekend? I'll give you the mic. We, we, we walked down the aisle, and we made statements, declarations together. And so I, I choose to honor you and to cherish you, to hold you above all others for the rest of eternity. I love you. I believe that God has selected us for each other, that he has caused our path to come together. And I stand before God in this great company of witnesses today. And I take you to be my wife. And Shelby said, you're so awesome. <laughs> I will obey. <laughs> Don't laugh. She said it. <laughs> then we got to the good part. And he said, you may now kiss your bride. We did this. Oh. Th- 30 years ago, 30 years ago, she cut all other men out of her life. As far as, sorry, sorry, son. As far as the role of mate, husband, partner, we made a decision, a commitment based on conviction because we believed God brought our lives together. Hello? Thank you, by the way. You want to kiss again? That's good. 30 years later, still pretty good. We, 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 you know, we live, our marriage is built on conviction, not convenience. And as followers of Christ, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit. You know, Romans 8 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. There's two words for sons in the Greek, uh, technon and weos. And technon is a child by mere fact of childbirth. Weos is a child who displays the characteristics of his father. Those who are led by the Spirit, they're not just by mere fact of childbirth children of God, but they display the characteristics of their father. See, when Jesus shed his blood, he brought you into right relationship with God, which got you into fellowship again with the Holy Spirit. We were separated from God. Remember, God would walk in the garden every day with them, but because of sin, they lost that 
connection. There was a disconnect. So Jesus came for the reconnect. And then he said, hey, guys, it's really profitable for you if I go away. I need to leave now. And they, they were kind of getting all upset about him leaving. But he said, really, it's to your advantage that I go away. John 16, 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict. And drop down to verse 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify. Glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Tonight, I just want to talk real quick, and you got to write fast, okay? But I want to talk quickly about just four key characteristics of the Spirit, because we're supposed to be led by the Spirit. But being led by the Spirit does not mean that we're just weirder than other people. Led by the Spirit don't mean that we just do whatever we want and then say, well, the Spirit just led me. You know, a lot of people say that they're led of the Spirit when they leave mad. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're leaving, they're upset. Well, God told me to leave. Well, we just found out who their God is. Anger's on the throne. Let your neighbor smile say, he's preaching to you, not me. Uh, I, I want you to see this uh, because we're, we're going to be led by the Spirit. So the first thing, the very first thing that the Spirit, you know, if you're going to live a Spirit-led life, you're going to have a life that is impacted, directed, influenced by conviction. Everybody say conviction. I mean, look at 1 Thessalonians 1.5. He said, because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. The Holy Spirit's always tied to conviction, always. And, and last week, we covered this pretty well. Uh, you know, conviction is not convenience. Our society is addicted, especially believers, you know, to convenience. We have convenient Christianity. You know, we're, we're all in for God as long as it's convenient. You know, we're all in until something else comes up. Until we get busy or till it's going to cost us too much or, or you know, it, it doesn't fit my schedule or it doesn't meet my needs or it's not appealing to my desires. Or it doesn't look like that's, that's, well, that's not what motivates me. Do not live by convenience. Live by conviction. Amen? Uh. Con conviction is not a preference. You know, a preference can be uh, a very, very strong belief, but even though it's a very strong belief, under circumstances, a preference is changeable. You can prefer something one day, but be persuaded to prefer something else another. A lot of us, that's how we are in relationships. We're, 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 we haven't made a decision. We haven't cut off everything else, but we've selected a preference for the time being. And if something better comes along, I wonder what would happen if God operated by preference. 
He's just going to move in your life until something better comes along. That won't take long. Hello. Preference is seasonal. I've actually had people share with me that they are in the church for a season. God told us to come here, and we're staying until God tells us to leave. That's kind of seasonal, isn't it? I mean, you know, and, and I get that, that what I, some of what I'm going to talk about tonight is kind of going to go against the grain of, of our current religious mindset. Because we, we, I, I just think that in a lot of areas, I think as believers, we think wrong. And I think God's trying to renew our mind. And he's trying to take us someplace awesome. But, you know, for God to get you to where he would like you to be, but if he has to work against a mindset that's the, the only way you're going there is as long as you prefer it above somewhere else. Because there are going to be moments in life that aren't going to be quite as preferred as you'd like. But if we're going to be led by the Spirit, if we're going to be children of God that display the characteristics of our Father, we got to live by conviction, not by preference. Hello? You know, preference is seasonal, and that usually ends the minute you don't get whatever you want, and then the Spirit's leading you on somewhere new to talk bad about where you just left again. Let me tell you something else conviction is not. Conviction is not a set of rules. I'm going to live by conviction, so I'm going to write a bunch of rules down. Let me tell you what a list of rules are. Rules. And usually, when we're trying to live by rules, we're trying to control. Not, not even others, ourselves. Just trying to, trying to control myself. Well, no, I don't want to be controlled by self. I want to be controlled by the Spirit. So I, 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 want, I, want, I want to get God on the throne of my life. I'm trying every day to get Tom off the throne so that God can rule and reign. And, but, you know, we end up with all these rules, don't eat that and don't drink those and don't wear that and don't go there. And I just got to tell you something. Here at the garden, we really don't teach rules. We want to lead you to a life of conviction, real biblical conviction. Oh, how do we grow that development? You're getting the word of God and the spirit of God. You know, when he comes, he will convict. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to live. If you just decide, I'm going to pursue the spirit of God. I really believe that if you build your life on conviction, your life will get better. I don't have to tell you to not do that and don't eat that and don't smoke that and don't drink those and don't go there and don't say that. and let, let the Holy Spirit teach you. And you'll actually live better than if I tried to control you. You know, and, 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 and the thing that we got to understand is that uh, conviction, while can often be similar, it's not always identical. Where it rules, that's just a pretty wide sweeping brush. Here's the rules. Everybody's going to follow them. You break the rules, we're going to break your fingers. But conviction, see, some things that would convict you may not convict somebody else. Well, might that be that God's plan and purpose for them is slightly different than it is for you? Well, is it okay to drink a little bit of wine? 
Ask God whether you should do it or not. Because some of y'all could use a stiff drink. I'm just saying, I've been around a few of you. You could, you know, that would help you a little. But others, but others, one sip and you're now out of control. So I want to encourage you to not imply, uh, you know, apply your convictions to others, but to pray that others will live by conviction, not by preference, not by convenience. So you got to be mature. Uh, hey, hey, those who are led by the Spirit, they're mature. You know, we, we could put it this way, that technon is an immature son, and weos is a mature son. Technos is an immature daughter of God, while weos is a mature. God wants you to be mature. He wants you to grow up. Right? You know, it's cute to give a baby the bottle. But when you got to part the whiskers to put the bottle in, something's wrong. Some of us have been in the church forever, and we're just as bitter as we've ever been. And we're looking around at everybody, and we're seeing all the stuff they shouldn't be doing. Well, you just, you're mad because you've lost control of you. Well, I don't think you're supposed to be in control of you to that point. I think you're supposed to let the Spirit control you. The Bible does say this about drinking. It doesn't say don't drink it, but it does say don't be drunk with wine where it's in excess, but be ye filled with a spirit. That's not a suggestion. That's a commandment. And God's asking you, now let me rephrase. God's commanding you to be filled with the spirit and, and, or to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Don't live under the influence of that alcohol. And that's the picture he was really painting is that some of you are under that influence. What you need to do is get under the influence of the Spirit and let him guide and direct your life. Because i got to tell you something about the Most High. If you ever get under the influence of the Most High, it's better than any other high you ever had. So you just, yeah, you just take another hit. You know, it used to really bother me. And, you know, and I've really struggled with some of these mindsets. So I'm assuming maybe some of us others have also. Uh, but it used to really bother me why I felt so strongly about certain things and others didn't. Like, honestly, I cannot imagine why you don't want to be in three services every weekend. Now, now I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just telling you, I look at it and go, good Lord, are you kidding me? I wish we had four. I love what God's doing here. But, you know, I look back, I look at my, I look at my life. You know, when I was born, and I was, I was, I was born. Really what? They still got the manger down in Medford. They had prayer meeting the day I was born, and I was at it. I remember. No, I don't remember, but I was there. <laughs> I grew up in church. You know, we, we, we traveled. We had tent, big honking tents, and we did tent revivals all over the place. We did a revival one time, two services a day for a year. 
It's just part of my makeup. It's part, part of the conviction that the Spirit of God has built in my life. I hate missing church. I mean, I really do. I hate it. And, you know, we'll be on vacation. We, we'll be off someplace. All I'm thinking about is where are we going to go to church? And the rest of the family is like, when you going to take a break? But it's just part of, it's, you know, it's, the, it's part of that. It's part of my makeup. But some, some of you, you have great conviction about things, but, and it drives you crazy that people around you don't. But God's purpose is different for them. And so don't let conviction be rules. If you're going to be led by the Spirit, just let it be conviction. You all right? Conviction is not preference. It's not rule-based. Let me tell you what else it's not. It's not an expectancy. A life of conviction is not trying to live to somebody else's expectations. Matter of fact, when you live a life of true conviction, let me tell you what will happen. You actually live above your expectations. You don't live down. You, you know, usually when, when you're trying to meet the expectations of others, actually, there's areas of your life that you have to live down. And you don't want to live that way. You want to build your life on Holy Spirit-inspired conviction. You know, just think about it. A lot of times when a parent sees a child as an underachiever, the child sees the parent as an over-expector. There's a lot of people... Listen, that don't just go away because you moved out. There's a lot of people, you're, you're looking at them like they're underachievers, and they look at you like you're, you're an overexpector. What's the deal? It's just a relationship breaker, and that ought not be your conviction. But your conviction ought to be to agree with one another, to love one another, to be deep-spirited friends. So if you live by the Spirit, I'm going to tell you something. He's going to bring strong, positive conviction to your life. Look at what it says in verse 13, John 16, 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So uh, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Number two, he will guide you. Everybody say guide you. So number one, you got conviction. Number two, you got direction. Man, I tell you, you want to live led by the Spirit. He, he will, look at what it says. He will guide you into all the truth. He will guide, he's not going to drive you. He's not going to force you. He's not going to urgently compel you. He's going to guide you into all truth. Sort of like a sail catching wind. And, and you know, doesn't it seem like, like the sail catches the wind, the wind pushes it? in a certain direction. But in reality, when you put the sail up, the sail creates a vacuum which causes the boat to be drawn. And that's really how the Holy Spirit works, I believe, is that he begins to draw you. You know, you start allowing conviction to rise up in your life, and all of a sudden your life begins to be drawn certain directions. Oh, in just a minute, it's going to get crazy good. Get ready. I don't feel drawn, probably because you haven't built conviction. But he will draw you towards some things. Look at what it says. He will guide you into all truth. I'm not, we're, we're not just, uh, uh, you know, talking about Bible 
you know, verses. We're talking about every area of your life bringing truth, which will set you free in every area of your life, being drawn, and you end up, he said, he will guide you into the truth. You will actually begin to bump in to truth. You know, you're just banging into it everywhere you go. You're just trying to learn to be drawn by the Spirit, and you're running into truth. You're having a collision with truth. Hello? Ecclesiastes 9-11, look at this. He said, this is what I saw. The race isn't to the swift, the battle's not to the strong, the bread is not to the wise, riches aren't to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to them all. It, you didn't get it because you're smart. You didn't get it because you're good looking. And you didn't get it because you're fun to be with. Although those have always helped me. But time, time, that's, that, that, that's uh, moments in, in, impregnated with purpose from God. It's God's timing, your time. I'm telling you, nobody can take from you the moment that God's created for you. And time and chance. Chance is a, is a word. It's, it's, it's not like rolling the dice. It's opportunity. And really, it's a collision with a God-given destiny. The Holy Spirit will guide you, cause you to collide with truth, all truth. It's the, it's the revelation, the insight of, uh, to his purpose. It's alignment with his plan for your life. See, the enemy is a deceiver trying to guide you, trying to direct you, trying to push you, trying to do whatever he can to get you to, to go into a lie. But the spirit is trying to draw you. No, I know that looks good, but let me show you what is good. I know that feels good for a minute, but let me show you, let me, let, let, let me draw you into what will produce life eternal. If you'll just be led by the Spirit, build conviction and let the Spirit draw you into truth in every area of your life. I have certain convictions that rule my life. I follow those convictions when it feels good and when it don't. And then, you know, honestly, what, what's brought us to where we are, and a lot of you guys who are with us, it's the convictions that have been built into our lives. And then, you know, think about it. We're, we're just, we're, January, we're praying for direction. I go to Starbucks to get a decaf. It's too close. I don't want to be back that fast. I take a right when I should have gone straight. I pull into a parking lot. I see a cool-looking sidewalk. I'm going to go pray for direction. I sit down at a patio, looking at the patio, going, wow, that thing is cool. I should take pictures. Because <laughs> when we build our building, this is exactly what we've talked about. And I begin to pray for direction. And God, I hear God say in my spirit, I want you to ask me for that. Looking at a building that we now own. What a coinkydink. No, we're being, we're being led by the Spirit. 
Being led by the Spirit don't mean you get spooky. It means you start colliding with truth. You start bumping into it everywhere you go. And, 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 and it, it just starts opening up in front of you. But I don't think he can guide you unless you're willing to allow him to convict you. And a lot of us are missing the guidance of the spirit because we're fighting to prove we're right. And we won't let him convict us. Ain't nobody going to tell me what I can eat, drink, say, or smoke. Honestly, how dumb can we get when he's who's wanting to have us collide with real life, with real health, with real hope? Look, look at this. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. He brings direction. Look at the third thing, John 16, 13 again. He said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into the truth. He'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he's going to speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit brings conviction. He brings direction, and he brings vision. He will tell you things to come. Get this. As you allow your mind to be renewed, you, as we receive the engrafted word of God, which has the power to save our soul, he begins to change the way we think, the way, which will change the way we feel, which will change the choices that we make. And all of a sudden, new conviction begins to be birthed in our life, and we find ourselves bumping into truth that we haven't ever been able to grasp before. And then all of a sudden, we begin to see things we weren't able to see before, and the future begins to open up in front of us. He begins to infuse us with an inner strength, conviction, an inner strength. He infuses us with inner strength, uh, you know, and, and we start building convictions. I have strength for all things. But you've got to ask yourself, do you live by conviction or preference? Because some of you, you have strength for all things if it's stuff you don't like, but you don't have strength to stop stuff that you do enjoy. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was a white hanky moment, personalized. You can say no to everything except the thing you want. And then you justify that all the way to the bank and back. Okay, so, so you're building some conviction, right? And, and he's infusing you with inner strength. Conviction begins to birth. He empowers you to overcome. Why? Because all of a sudden you're getting guided into the truth. Well, what does the truth do? You shall know the truth, and the knowledge of that truth shall set you free. You begin to have freedom in areas that you never had freedom before. You begin to feel better in your body. I'm telling you, your physical body is going to begin to feel healthy again. Why? Because you begin to have a collision with the truth. Why? Because you're living by conviction. You, I have to hurry. You're saying, come on, and I'm saying, let's go. Okay. Why? Because I want to go eat. I've worked hard this week. I have an owie. Okay. Thank you for that. So, so he empowers us to overcome, and then he begins to open the blind eyes. We begin to have vision to see stuff we've never been able to see before. Let me just say this about vision real quick. Vision is a little bit more than a complex list of hopeful achievements. I know the Bible says to write the vision, make it plain. I kind of get tired of people asking me about my vision. You know, my experience isn't like a lot of other people. God did not stand at the end of my bed and shake it till I woke up and speak to me. 
Angels did not come to the river dance out in the driveway to prove that this was the will of God. I find my life's more guided daily. I think, I, I really think that if God sat me down and told me where we're going to be five years from now, I'd quit. So, and he knows, so, so he's just going to guide me daily. <laughs> but we get, we, we get so messed up, we start talking about vision, and we think that we have to have this big long list of stuff. And, and I think while communicating vision requires a list, accomplishing vision demands restraint. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation or no vision, the people cast off restraint. So when you have great vision, you have to have great restraint. When he begins to open your eyes, let let me just put it this way. Okay, so we're building conviction. We begin to be drawn into the truth. This is the way, you know, we we, had prayed that God would show us the right way for us, the right way for our kids, the right way for our substance, right? And he did. He began to direct us and to draw us a certain path. And then, then he drew me into that parking lot, and then he sat me down, and he gave me some vision, and he said, okay, that's the building. I want you to ask me for that, for that building, right? Well, at that point, when vision comes on, that now you have to operate in restraint. It's not about what can I do, but what do I stop doing so I can accomplish what he just told me I'm going to do. Because without great restraint, it wouldn't make any difference how big of a financial miracle God produced in our life if we didn't cast, if we cast off restraint. We just spend it on all kinds of other stuff anyways. Some of you, God's brought you right, right to the threshold of insane breakthrough. But you wasted all the resources before you got there. Then, then the door swings open to your opportunity, and you make this statement, I can't afford it. It'd be kind of like you giving money to your child to go to the store to buy milk. And when he gets home without the milk, where's the milk? I couldn't get the milk. Why couldn't you get the milk? Didn't have no money for the milk. What do you mean you didn't have money for the milk? I give him money when you left the house. Oh, I stopped at Dairy Queen on the way. You did what? Well, yeah, I know that you love me and that you want to bless me and that you all things are for me. I saw that sign, and there was an angel sitting on top of it and saying, come to me, come to me. And I said, yeah, yay, Lord, yay, I will obey. Fine, you reach in your pocket, you get more money. Go get the milk, you freak. <laughs> Come back an hour later, where's the milk? What milk? The milk I sent you to get. Well, I didn't get milk. What'd you get? Pop. Why'd you get pop? Because I wanted pop. I felt led to have a Pepsi. Some of us are just that weird. I'm looking at a bunch of you right now, and you're just that stinking weird. You see, you're looking at you. You're looking at him and say, "What am I going to do with you?" I don't know. Let 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 me get my, let me get my brothers downstairs. I mean, I can just I can just see one of my boys doing this. Evan, come here. TJ, Stephen, calling him in. Let's pray. Let's pray that mom and dad would release a financial miracle so that we could do what they've asked us to do. You've had many chances to obey, and now you want a miracle. Well, a miracle's going to be when you actually obey. I'm telling you the truth. 
It must be the spirit. <laughs> Look at what he said. Verse 14, he will glorify me, speaking of the spirit. He will take what is mine and declare it unto you. So one, he brings conviction. Two, he brings direction. Three, he brings vision. And four, he brings provision. He said, he'll glorify me. He'll take what's mine. And he'll begin to speak it into your life. And you know what's really cool is he goes on in verse 15 and defines what he's got. Look at this. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he'll take what's mine, what's, what's his, everything God's got. And he'll make it available to you. Oh, what's going to happen when you live led by the Spirit long enough to get there? I said, what's going to happen when you control yourself, restrain yourself, and let conviction grow, quit leading yourself, let God lead you by his Spirit, guide you into the truth, give you a vision, and he begins to supply what is needed to accomplish that vision. God is a God of abundance. I said, God is a God of abundance. I kind of like knowing that as we face a $1.2 million renovation project. Oh, are you going to say now that we can just ask God for anything we want and we just get whatever we want? How come provision always takes you to a selfish place? 2 Corinthians 9 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I don't know if you're getting a point yet, but it's always going to be there. Sufficiency is always about God meeting your personal needs. Abundance is always about God working through you for his purpose. Some of us want abundance for us. But your abundance ain't for you. The abundance is for his purpose. I'm telling you, if we get this, we're going to blow up Tri-Cities, Washington. I mean, that will just be a launching point. That's a starting block. But if you think provision's all about you, guess what happens? You begin to fracture the vision. You're using the abundance, but you begin to fracture and abort the vision. And you stop banging into truth because of a deception and you start letting convictions become preferences you support what you like but don't sow into stuff that they don't let you run hello it's just not convenient at this time for us we are going to blow this city apart for the glory of God. And if we're led by the Spirit, a conviction is going to be birthed. And you're going to find yourself doing stuff that you said you'd never do. 
You're going to be serving ice cream cones to little midgets. <laughs> You're going to be helping crazy people park their car and find a door because they're not smart enough to get it without your assistance. <laughs> You're going to be reaching into the hand of people to pull a worship guide out so it can be recycled. You're going to be at services during times that don't fit your schedule. You're going you're gonna to suddenly realize that services aren't put on a schedule for your convenience. They're there so that we can reach the lost. You're going to find out that serving is part of a wonderful lifestyle, and you just ended up addicted to it. And I don't know how we got here, but I could sure use another service right now. And all of a sudden, provision begins to flow. You know, as we're tearing down the walls in there and as we're looking around the rooms, you know what's crazy? It's two or three of us are talking about it today. When we first got there, that building was massive. But the more we work in there, look around going, you know, I don't know if it's big enough. <laughs> yeah, I could, 500 chairs, that's going to be awesome. But when we build onto this thing, can we go out, and we're already looking at how that's going to work. Why? Well, conviction brought us here. The truth unlocked the door. And as God continues to speak, the vision grows. And then he said, if, 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 if you'll stay true to that, he'll begin to declare over your life whatever is needed to fulfill that vision. How's it start? Living a life of conviction. Conviction. Will you let the Spirit convict you? It sounds like a heavy-duty word, don't it? I feel so convicted. <laughs> it's the best thing that will ever happen to you. When you begin to allow yourself to be changed by the Spirit of God, willing to go a different direction, you don't fight the wind of the Spirit. You delight in it. I want you to close your book and bow your head for just a minute. Some of you right now, 